Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Beast Wars podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. And I'm David. And uh, unfortunately, our regularly scheduled programming has been cancelled this week on account of the destruction of the universe as we know it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Megatron, he had to do stuff. As you may recall from uh, last time on the Stasis Pod, uh, Megatron uh, went back, well, he was already back in time, but uh, shot Optimus Prime, thus altering the course of history so that, you know, evil triumphs. And somebody, no, possibly you, no longer exists. But we sort of still exist, at least as disembodied voices in the void. Yes. Yes, and I believe we may have encountered a strange parallel dimension <laughs> called Japan. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Japan, we we did try to catch, uh, we tried to get some Beast Wars Neo, which was the show that uh, actually aired between uh, seasons, what was it, seasons? Uh, Seasons two and three, I think. Yeah, somewhere in there. Something like that. Or was it after season three? Because didn't they put two and three together for medals? Maybe... I don't think it was after, because I think after, that's when we got robots, or wait, no, we got robots of disguise. Car robots, yeah. Right. Who knows? Yeah, car robots was right after Beast Wars, I think. I mean, time and space are being torn apart here. We have no idea what uh, the rules of causality are. Totally lost. The, the important thing is to, to note is that Beast Wars Neo episodes seem to be surprisingly difficult to come by on, you know, the usual online resources. At least the first episode is impossible to find. It doesn't exist. So we've gone back to Beast Wars 2. Yes. It was a mistake. We I think this whole thing was a mistake. Movie. Yeah. This, wow. this was in... This was Now, I don't know much about Japanese... Anything, but this this was like in an in theaters movie, right? Yeah, well, sort of. Like you, like you go to a theater, you buy your popcorn or your hot buttered fish sausage, <laughs> and uh, you sit down and watch some lyo convoy in imminent danger. Yeah, well, it, um, well, oh, first you watch a clip show explaining what happened in the series before then, and then you yeah. watch this, and uh, then you get to uh, watch Bad Spark. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, David, you're you're our resident otaku here. Yeah. Can you explain how these sorts of movies are usually distributed and shown in Japan? Well, this this is a lower tier. This isn't like your Ghibli film or even Red Line, your big marquee anime movie. This is a little thing aimed at children, which is kind of an old tradition. I at least know, well, I have. Bootleg Common Rider DVDs that are collections of the movies. Mm-hmm. It has packages of commercials that ran to publicize the movies, and I think they were mostly summer movies. And this came out in December, but it's probably a similar thing. You stick a bunch of short things together, have like a marathon of children's movies, like Common Rider beating up things, your Mazinger Z's, or whatever your Doraemon, Sanrios, and things. 
You stick a bunch of short things together to entertain the kids in the summer or the winter or when they're out of school. So this is the sort of thing that they would show, I guess, sort of Japan's equivalent of how in the U.S. movie theaters will run, like, summer matinee series of just existing kids' movies rather than things that have specifically been made for that purpose. Yeah, well... The common Rider ones that was like in the 70s and the 80s, they were specifically made to run in the summer, and they still have common Rider movies now that are kind of like, sort of like this, like three, two or three movies squished together to fill out mm-hmm. a normal movie length, but it's like, it's just like a super special big episode. And I suppose the, the other thing that comes to mind is uh, what was put together in the U.S. as the Digimon movie. Yeah. Which was the sort of separate... Very, of course, very, uh, of course, I forget the guy's name off the top of my head, but very nicely directed little not-quite-movies to the extent that they had to be pieced together into one big thing for U.S. release. Yeah, the guy who went on to direct Summer Summer Wars and and some other things. Uh, Actually, I have the poster. Who directed it? Uh, Directed by Mamoru Hosoda. I think I read that right. I, I I love the Digimon movies. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that. Like, those were only just bigger than a normal animated episode. Which is why they got crunched together for America. Yeah. Is that the same thing that happened with, like, that, uh, those Pokemon movies? No, I think those are sort of, well, close to full length. They're, like, stretching 100, or 90 minutes. Right. I mean, you, you, you're, you've got some extensive credits and maybe, like, an animated short. Yeah. You know, beforehand, uh, hit that hour and a half mark. So that's sort of like the A-list equivalent. If you're Pokemon, you get like something like that. But if you're just Digimon or Beast Wars Second, you get something like this. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, this, this is, is the pretty... B team. Yeah. Or, well. Well, I think Digimon would be the B team, and this is the C team. Maybe the B team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sadly, unlike the Digimon movies, they did not actually get some like really awesome animation studio and really great director to work on it. No, it was just oh. apparently just like the regulars. There's a couple moments of really good animation in this, but yeah. overall it's just barely above TV animation. You can tell where they had fun with it and put in a lot of effort, and you can tell where they would have used more stock footage if they could have. <laughs> so, uh, again, as, uh, for another Transformers comparison, unlike in the U.S. with Transformers the movie, where it's compared to the actual series, it's really beautiful. It's Beast Wars second. It's not. <laughs> it's not beautiful. Will I, oh, convoy die? What is the secret of the monster Transformer Majin Zarek? If anything, it's a little bit more like the G.I. Joe movie, and then a few steps down. Yeah. Uh, it starts out okay. And, so and what we're... <laughs> and this doesn't even have, like, the Japanese equivalent of Don Johnson or Judd yeah. Nelson in it. Unless that's some Japanese... Unless there's, you know, some Japanese celebrity making those monster noises. Uh, yeah, because they're... Frank Wilker getting another paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, because this supposedly takes place somewhere in the middle of the Beast Wars 2 TV show, like, somewhere in the 30s. Right. So it's, like, halfway through the show. I think I forget how long it is. So it's it, it's yeah. There's there's no well. There's one special guest star, but that's not really that special. Well, it is to no. us, but voice actor wise, it isn't. So 
you know, you remember the basic gist of Beast Wars 2 from our last Beast Wars 2 episode, and if not, go back, watch it. It's, well, don't watch it, it's a podcast. Uh, go back and listen to it, but it's basically Beast Wars, but cheaper. Yeah, and, and this come and going back... To- I don't know, the water graphics look really realistic in this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not Beast Wars, but cheaper. It's, unless, I, I mean, I suppose if... By cheaper, you're not referring to the animation so much as what they're what they're paying for writers, because they are obviously not paying for the good writers. No, probably not. And you, and you've got a slightly bigger cast because you get sell animation. They're selling all those toys. Selling all the toys, but it's. I mean, it's it. It wasn't a great first episode, and it's. I mean, there's a whole like set of tropes unique to Japanese shows aimed at young boys. Oh, yeah. And And this has all of them. And it gets worse here. Because as we'll soon find out, in between the series beginning and this point in the series, they've picked up a second kid appeal character. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's somehow even more obnoxious than Tasmanian kid. If Tasmanian Kid is Cheetor, our new Kid Appeal character is who Cheetor would think is Cheetor. <laughs> it's exception. Yeah, it's it's worth taking a moment uh, to to summarize real quick uh, for those who did catch the previous Beast Wars second episode. We did uh, what has what what has changed or been added to the story since then. Uh, so apparently, Lyo Convoy found a kid. Or something, and, and so decided they, to give him a, his own combiner team. Yeah, he's got. Uh, so this this kid is a little uh, like you know yellow tawny lion uh, named Lyo Junior, and he's got his two sort of bodyguards, uh, Skywarp and Santon. 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 Uh, who are what in the U.S. was the Magna Boss team and over there still called Magnaboss, uh, but their characters were presumably not quite so obnoxious. Uh, also, uh, as we see at the very beginning of the episode and then never again. Thankfully. Also, what? what? The Seacons have shown up. Oh, yes. okay. They're, <laughs> They're okay. First, yes. first the Seacons have shown up, which I, you know, I don't think there's ever a point where, Je- where Japan used or reused a Scramble City combiner, uh, that being, for those not familiar with the term, sort of an overarching term for those peg-headed, mid-80s, you know, aerial bots, technobots, done a The grand cause of combiner wars. Yeah. So I don't think there's ever been a point where those have been reused, where they didn't just really feel archaic compared to the other toys they were re-released alongside. Yeah, because... Uh, Combaticons were in robots, or car robots. <laughs> I remember getting those in robots in disguise. I'm being so excited because they were some new toys. And bear in mind, I was in like my early 20s at the time, so it's not like a little kid being super excited. I was so excited. <laughs> I went out, it was, it was snowing. I had just moved back to Virginia after living in Michigan's scenic Upper Peninsula. And I called my best friend up, and I was like, let's go look for toys. And he was like, "There's, but it's snowing. I'm like, this is not snow. This is not snow. And I went out, and I 
found them, and I was so excited. I was gloating a little bit. I get home, and I take them all out of the packages. I transform them and, and assemble them. I'm like, it's just G1 Bruticus. <laughs> it's not great. It's just not a great toy for the year 2002. No. <laughs> I've been so excited, and they were so anticlimactic, and I should have known that they were going to be that anticlimactic. And and having the Seacons here is sort of the same. It's like you've got this one group where you've got a bunch of peghead character designs, and they show up briefly, and they have a ship that is literally a spaceship. Oh, they're, but they're the Seacons. They're the best of the original combiners. They're uh, the animal dudes. They're space pirates. Actually, and the pirate logo makes them the look like they're trying to again. steal. This episode will be three hours long. <laughs> well, this is why I'm not allowed to, to edit the wiki. Uh, yeah. Their space pirate ship has a pirate flag that looks like if Wendy Thomas, mascot of Wendy's, decided to become a pirate. I always thought it was kind of like a Skullgrin head. Huh. Kind of, anyway, they the, show up. The and other new, the, the other new arrival since uh, the beginning of Beast Wars Second uh, would be Tripraticus. Oh, this is <laughs> problematic. <laughs> It's it's problematic, but it's very short. The very first line of dialogue is Costa Rica. <laughs> because these guys are horrible mariachi borderline racist caricatures. I, I suppose at this point, considering that the Seacons and Tripredicus show up at the very beginning of the episode, I suppose we can just go ahead and jump into the, the episode itself and then worry about pointing out who which characters are different as we get to them. Which someone else should do because I cannot keep up with who the switch body people are, except that one of them keeps saying Roger, so I assume it, that that's the yeah, one. It really doesn't matter for the most part. No, it no. doesn't. Like, for the first three minutes are the Seacons combining and fighting Tripredicus who combines. Hey, Tripredicus, we... Wow, you look bad in this compared to when we saw the regular like, Beast Wars, but... So, so when within a minute of the beginning of this movie, we get mariachi band music and <laughs> Yeah. Fortunately, yeah, they fight the Seacons. There's some ridiculous, like, silly anime take panic faces from the Seacons. It's, and... it's it's kind of the best animated part of the whole thing. It kind of is, yeah. and I think that's because they're reusing stock footage for the combiner stuff. Quite possibly, but but still, like even the reaction shots, like a giant spaceship just throw, shows up before they actually really start their battle, whacks into them and breaks them into their component parts, and the animation of them falling apart is actually really nice. Yeah. But buy Seacons, fuck yeah, Seacons. Oh, one one minor note. This is the very short appearance of the very first combiner female limb. Yes. yes. And she doesn't have a line. Nope. Was well, this, this their first appearance? Uh, no, I would. I think they're just the first appearance that we've covered because we've yeah, covered. First covered. Okay. And we're not going to come back to Beast Wars too. God willing. <laughs> no. Please, no. So it's, it's nice to see Scylla show up. It's like, hey, we have a female character. She's problematic. So we're not going to go into that. No, I was kind of disappointed we didn't get any uh, Artemis or Moon in this. Yeah. 
I expected yeah. them to show up at at a point. I guess I will mention when we get to it, but but no, no Artemis or Moon, alas. And yet this this spaceship actually looks kind of cool. Yeah, it's neat looking. Yeah, it, it the spaceship or the space ship. The the the, giant, <laughs> the space pirate ship. Well, the, spa- <laughs> the space pirate ship is very nice. It, it just reminds me of. I mean, it's just a, it's just a. An actual pirate ship. Yeah, but but the giant alien green spaceship thingy kind of reminds me of an over-detailed Zentradi ship from across. Yeah, I can see that. It's green and slightly organic, and it's giant, and it crashes into the Earth, and thus begins the episode. Oh, and we get a title sequence. Yes, we get a title sequence with such music, with such traditional anime lyrics as... Let's tie our hearts together. We will never be alone. Yeah, over the scenes of robot parts and a spinning pirate ship wheel. which is well, it's, it's just like a ship's wheel because it's yeah. the same one that uh, later steers the, ep- the movie's villain. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of... For some reason. <laughs> it's not great. No. But anyway, yeah, this thing crashes into the prehistoric whatever planet Gaia, which I think is not Earth. No, it's, it's not. It's maybe Earth. Sometimes I think it's Cybertron. It's confusing. <laughs> Did the writers know? We're well, not sure. It's just they the, care? Not really. No, they don't really care. Well, the, the problem is that the Maximals in this are called Cybertrons, and the Predacons are Destrons, so... When the Destrons are threatening the Cybertrons, they're threatening Cybertron. It gets confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the, the actual title of this is Leo Convoy in Imminent Danger. Hmm. I guess is, that I mean, happens, sort of. I mean, he's not really in any more imminent danger than everybody else. No. It's it, really a lot more Leo Jr. in imminent danger. Yeah, that would be because of him yeah. Because of his own fault. Yeah, in imminent danger from his own stupidity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, both sides detect this. You know, and uh. the, the Cybertrons are worried about it, The uh, but Galvatron of the Destrons is uh, he's kind of jazzed about this coming. He has a feeling that it will bring them great fortune. Yeah, and he hasn't changed mode, but pretty much everybody else under him has gotten an upgrade from... They used to be vehicles like jets and things. He still has all... perma-grimace. <laughs> yes. It's but amazing. Now, that is. Half the guys working for him have become cyborg versions, like the, there's the cyborg waspinator and the dinobot, too, and some other things. Uh, Cybershark and uh, Wolfang. Wolfang. Yeah, and then there's the background guys that are... Um, the little auto rollers, auto troopers or something? I think they still have the same bodies. Yeah. Okay, whatever. And, and then, then there's also uh, Galvatron's brother, Megastorm, who has gone from being uh, Generation 2 Megatron to a remolded Trypticon. Not yes. that remolded. It's just Trypticon wearing spikes on his head. <laughs> that's that's the, the entire thing. So I, I could... I, all my notes involving him are just Trypticon does. Trypticon in a hat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Trypticon Nichan. It's, it's it's kind of adorable. But. Yeah. The yeah. brother shtick is kind of amazing. It continues yeah. to be one of the better parts of the movie. Yes. Anyway, the, the giant alien spaceship crashes in the 
Conveniently nearby Arctic. Yep. <laughs> Yay! Every planet's got one. I know where that is. And then everyone, all the, the Cybertrons are dicks to Leo Convoy Jr., or Leo Jr., whatever. The, the little kid appeal character, because he wants to go investigate this, and everybody's horrible to him except for Kid, the Tasmanian Devil, who's the cheetor of the group. Because he totally understands him. Yeah, so he they agrees to go with him, and then everybody's less of a dick to Leo Jr. and and wait, Skywarp's the name of the bird. Yeah, the uh, the eagle. Yes. Who who was released over here as Prowl? No, uh, he was Silverbolt, Silver and Bolt. I know this oh. because I yeah. I wrote him into my Beast Machines fanfic. Oh, which one was Prowl? Uh, he's uh, the, he lion. the lion. Oh, yeah. Which continues the trend in Transformers these days of Prowl being the absolute worst. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that makes it's more sense than him being bird. That's horrible. Yeah, uh, spoilers. The spoilers. The the other the others were in fact right to be dicks to Lyle Jr. because he's the worst. Yes. Oh, totally. <laughs> but, but he's just the child kid appeal character, and he's apparently in charge of Magnaboss, which is crazy. Well, he forms the head, which... And it does guess. remind me of, in uh, Car Robots slash Robots in Disguise, the uh, the construction combiner who had this oh, kid. Yeah. The others were uh, basically like his mentor slash guardians. Right, uh, Wedge. Yes, so I don't know if that's just a trope well, or... definitely a trope. It's, it's like the young prince and his entourage it keeps cropping. Yeah. And it's usually insufferable, like here. Yeah, he's pretty insufferable. So, Lyakonvite does eventually agree to this, and he sends the Magnaboss team plus Tasmania Kid into the Arctic Wasteland. It, yes, none of them are Arctic. Kid is totally going to help. Yeah, it's like, one of them is an elephant. It's like, where's your Tigertron guys? A polar bear, at least? I don't <laughs> think they have any polar animals, except maybe the squid. Yeah, the squids are not. Polar. At least not that color. Yeah, basically, Skywarp and, and Santa go on to uh, to be their babysitter. Yeah. and uh, Leo Jr. is the first one inside this alien spaceship they don't know anything about. And he starts pushing buttons. And it's sort of weirdly uh, biomechanical. Yeah. Yeah. Like, kind of there are bits of this the... that look very Cronenbergian. Yeah, very much reminded me of a creepy iPad game called The Room. Huh. Not to be confused with the the, uh, <laughs> the creepy movie, The Room. Yeah, Alex, you're my reasons. best friend. <laughs> so anyway, how's your sex life? They're poking buttons, and somehow they figure they can actually know anything about this alien ship. They have no idea where it came from. Oh, but they find a control unit for some sort of weird temporal space bridge. And it's like a weird claw thing. I, I thought it looked like a withered banana. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty I, sure I got a quest to, to go retrieve that in Skyrim. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got a quest to go retrieve that in World of Warcraft. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I got a quest to retrieve that from uh, the drawer your mother doesn't tell you about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from the top. I'm also going to need some double A's. I don't. It, it's you know it's got that claw look to it, so it's definitely uh, that that came from Bad Dragon. She spent some good money on that. Oh, don't yeah. Google it, kids. Don't do it. No. no. Or I still do. can't get over Lyo Junior just 
being told not to touch anything and immediately touching everything. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, uh, it's just... This could all have been avoided. <laughs> it's just well, like mostly, the, the uh, Destrons still show up. That's yeah. true. And uh, BB, who's now upgraded into a wolf, says Roger and steals the, the magic MacGuffin withered banana claw. And Lyo Jr. pursues to chase. And then everyone else is like, no, you idiot. So so one of the Destrons, I missed which one, <laughs> told him to go suck on his mama's tits. Yeah, I have an... I think that was Hellscream or... It, it, or yeah, that, is that something that, like, the dubbers added, or is that, no, like, a thing? I, no, I, I shit you not. They, there was Opie mentioned in there. Tits. I mean, that's... Oh, I made a note to myself because of the way that I am to try not to, uh read too much into like specific just you know specific wording like that but that was clearly something that was was said there and that yeah. i think the thing that offends me most about that is that they're robots <laughs> yeah i mean maybe it's like um a slam because he's a mammal and that guy's a shark i mean i i assume i can i see it being you know, an acceptable slam as in, you know, you're a child, but they're robots. But yeah, I I, I can only assume it's an robots. idiom. I yeah, yes, kind but, of like that. It's large number of years too soon for you to do that. Which is a line they use at one point too. It's ten years. They say that yeah, but it's just yeah. such a weird idiom to show up in this thing aimed at little children. Yes. Yeah, I really was not expecting to. Uh, Read one of George Carlin's seven words you can't say on television during the sequence. <laughs> and yeah, so, later on, doesn't somebody say that he's getting pissed off? Well, that that could just well, be that maybe tra- just yeah, that, translation. Yeah, that, that's I mean, probably yeah. the fan translation, just just trying to make sense of something. But well, this, being this, also, it's also worth bearing in mind that they just have different standards on that over there because I remember there being some talk about how in Headmasters there's a part where Wheelie is you know, saying language that children should not say. I guess. Is saying it's... offensive, which is great because it's wheelie. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, just, I, I get the impression that that's a little more acceptable on, on children's shows over there, but, but yes, it's also possible it's an idiomatic or, yeah. It is a villain saying it, but it's still just weird and takes you out of it. Which, it's hard to get into this because the pacing and, the tropes are so uh, terrible. And then since somebody's talking about your mama's tits. Yeah. I mean, I like I said, I can accept that well enough as being like because you are a baby. Yeah. But, it's not necessarily saying, you know, your mama's so fat, it's just saying you are a baby. You're a baby, run home crying to mommy kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the the rest of the Cybertrons show up in their ship, which still flies. Why haven't you left the planet, guys? Or maybe that's not the thing. Whatever. I don't remember why they're here in the first place. And then everybody transforms. Angle, Moyes, energy. Oh, yeah, something. It's like like a Nostradamus thing, right? Yeah, we covered that last time. Right. And Leo Jr. shoots that out of his face. Yeah. yeah. So he's got like he's special some, powers. He's the chosen some one. Sort of chosen one. Yeah, anyway, it's all I hate chosen ones. 
Why does he have such an optimist face? He does not deserve it at all. No, he does not. Yeah, because almost very... Only Leo Convoy also has a faceplate, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. uh, the squid guy kind of has a faceplate. Uh, yeah, sort of. Yeah. Like a weird squid face. Yeah. I do love that Scuba That's shows up and does another idiom, which is Solid Snake's catchphrase. <laughs> he says, uh, kept you waiting, huh? Uh, oh. I missed that. Yeah. Also, I haven't played those games. So. Yeah. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, Lyle Jr. just has, like, the juvenile onset version of that uh, syndrome that, uh, was it Pyro had in uh, Last End of the Records? Oh, yeah, where he was Primus Optimus Primus. Thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I think... The, the weirdest thing about it is just having the kid appeal character have Optimus Prime's head. <laughs> yes. Super weird. It also gets yeah. us a really bad scene later, but I'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah, so he can't, you know, they can't combine because they aren't spiritually in sync enough, which is confusing, but which, okay. It didn't, it seemed more like Skywarp just didn't want to combine then. It's like, nah. I mean, again, I, I told myself not to read too much into the specific wording of of the translation, but he says, look, he, Lyo Jr. asks why they can't combine, and Skywarp says, look into your heart and think about it. <laughs> like, Search your I, feelings or something. I mean, I assume the way I took it to be is, you know what you did wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's how I would yeah. do but yeah, it's that's pretty harsh considering they're supposed to be protecting him. And also later, one of them says something about how they would never let him be in danger. And I was like, but but earlier, like, you put him in danger. Earlier, you refused to help him when he was fighting a bunch of Destrons, and then Tasmanian Kid had him? to jump in front of a bullet for him, yeah. and then sassed him with his dying breath. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there's a fight. There's the animation's okay, I guess, for the fight. They're, they, the magic MacGuffin bananas tossed back and forth. Hell Scream has it at one point, but then Leo Jr. gets it back, and Tasmanian Kid's injured. Whatever. Yeah, Tasmanian Kid is injured to the point where his eyes go out. Yeah. First heroic sacrifice with no long-term consequences of this movie. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. Everybody take a drink. <laughs> You'll need it to get through this. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So you know they're they're back in their their base. They they're trying to fix up Tasmanian kid, and then Lyle Convoy has has a stern talking to with uh, Lyle Junior. And Lyle Junior throws a sad baby fit. Uh, <sighs> oh, it it should be fit. the best scene in the movie. It's it not throws- because it's go ahead. Yeah, you know how great that scene with uh, Optimus Primal sort of talking, giving uh, Silverbolt to talk into in Agenda Part 2? This is like the terrible version of that. <laughs> Lyo Jr. basically declares that he has no friends because they won't yeah. help him do the thing that he wants to do. And it's like, an amazing temper tantrum. Yeah. And, and he doesn't even up. know what he wants to do. and. He runs off and transforms into his little lion version with his giant anime eyes. And he has oh, yeah. the MacGuffin with him. Yep. Why does he still have the MacGuffin with him? Why did they let know. him take he the does, head? He does actually make one decent point about, it was really important to get that back from the Destrons. Well, yeah, but would you have sacrificed Tasmanian kids' life? They're going to pull a Cthulhu Transformer out of the portal with it. 
Yeah, that's the thing. It's like the one thing you're harping on him most is the one thing he did right. Yeah. Yep. This is the thing that always gets me with these, you know, Japanese little kid animes, that they tend to be so, like, morally inconsistent as far as I can tell. And maybe it's because it's a culture that I'm not familiar enough with but it just feels really morally inconsistent a lot of times and that definitely is an issue here yeah it's like you have to be a jerk at one point so the idiot character can learn a message and then you have to be forgiving later on and and you just character motivations change for no reason another problem with this scene two characters with faceplate masks static shots for (laughs) Like changing once every thirty seconds for three minutes straight. Yeah, that that's the scene so is low. only being carried by the voice acting. Yeah, that's it's not and great. I'm not sure carrying is actually earned for no, a description for it. No. Junior has a really annoying kid voice. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's probably a lady. I yeah, I didn't bother to look up who it is, but it's a voice I know I've heard before. As you, your plucky young boy hero who's voiced by a woman. It is, in fact, a lady. Uh, she was also in Excel Saga, uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, uh, Soul Eater, and Slayer's Revolution. She had a career. What's she doing here? Okay, maybe she's the big name. <laughs> well, she, wait, she's the Judd Nelson. The series? No, that's probably earlier in her career. Anyway. I don't know. Who knows? So, anyway, yeah, he, he runs off, and the, the Destrons are somehow aware of this, and very disdainful of Lyle Convoy's inability to uh, keep this punk in line. <laughs> yeah. Am I the only one who thought Lyle Jr.'s beast mode looked creepy? Yeah, it's the anime eyes. Well, the it's face- not just the anime eyes, it's also his forelegs are really weirdly proportioned. It's like they're human arms. <laughs> yeah not great. No. Nothing about this is great. Yeah. Eh, not really. <laughs> there are a couple <laughs> of A and good things, but overall, no. Yeah, some stuff reaches good, nothing in this reaches great. Yeah. No. Except uh, Galvatron's massive grin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why? So, yeah, he's running off his own, and, the, and then Galvatron finds him burrowing out of the ground in his uh, drill tank mode. Which is actually well animated. I, I give it that. Every that once was... in a while, you get really good bits of animation. And he manages to convince him uh, somehow yeah, uh... that that the, the ship is actually like a doomsday device and they have to work together or it will destroy the whole planet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to give me the MacGuffin or this whole planet will blow up. Oh, and you love this planet. You want peace. Galvatron is the worst liar, e- even through subtitles in a different language. He's the worst <laughs> liar than Black Arachnia has been. Also, at one point, some of his underlings just sort of look at each other like, uh... Oh, man, he's he's actually buying it, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> just, oh, oh my yeah. God, it's not great. It's not great. My note for this entire sequence is just obvious lie is obvious. Yeah, and again, so. actually, my my notes for this, which really could could cover most of the the movie, is just all in lowercase. Omg, Lyo Junior, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just, no. Stop. Somehow, stop. somehow, kid has made it out there too. Who's still injured? Like, yeah, that I was brilliant. Send the injured guy after him. 
Why didn't the guy who could transform into a bird get there first? What? Who isn't dying? Yeah. Well, he did just blow him off. And at this point, like, Lyo Jr. agrees to Galvatron's idea. Yeah, I don't want to blow up the planet. I'll go with you. I'll hop behind your leg while your leg is shooting bullets from your knee at Kid. Mm-hmm. What? Oh, this this kid is the worst. Yeah. He is. The worst. He's so bad. Not to be confused with Kid, who is comparatively tolerable. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, not to mention, on top of that, it's like, at this point, you're that close. Just grab the little lion cub. Why do you need to convince him to walk back to your base on his own <laughs> power? And I mean, listen, uh, if, if he's that dumb, you might as well. Yeah, but then as soon as they're inside their base and he takes the MacGuffin, it's like, oh, no, we're going to open up a portal and summon Megatron. It'll be cool. Yeah, <laughs> as soon as they do this, yoink. <laughs> like, why, why wait that long? Now, I guess the I question have... is, what Megatron are they trying to summon? Yeah, that that is a question worth asking. Well, considering it's a sequel sort of the Beast Wars, it would make sense to summon that one. But if you're summoning someone who's going to be powerful with a weapon, you'd think G1 Megatron. It's just... I don't think Japanese continuity out. made a distinction between G1 Megatron and G1 Optimus and... Yeah. Beast Wars Megatron and Beast Wars Optimus the way the uh, English version did. Yeah, it could just be the same guy, but anyway. I mean, as it turns out, it's all kind of irrelevant. Yeah, because uh, Megstorm pushes the wrong button. Oh, oh, it's so wonderful, because Galvatron says, now we could summon the greatest and most powerful Transformer in history. And then Megastorm, who is Trypticon, and his little tiny T-Rex arms is doing science and... That's my favorite shot right there. Just doing science. With tiny T-Rex arms. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so he summons the wrong thing, which... Wah, wah. And, uh, yeah, it's it's the villain, it's the big villain, and it's Majin Zarek, who everybody seems to know, but they never actually explain what the hell he is. No. I- it took me a moment. I actually had to look it up because initially I had him confused with Violin Jiger. Yeah, because it looks more like Violin Jiger, but they're saying Majin Zarek, which is kind of like Majin Zarek, who was Scorponok. For those who do not know, Violin Jiger was the sort of demony villain from the the Zone series, which was basically Japan's version of Rebirth in that it was supposed to be a new season that really just only got a pilot that was released as an OVA uh, in, like, 1990. So deep cuts here. Yeah. He's like a big cuts. space bug monster. Yeah, He looks like an overly fat Mecha Godzilla with a horned demon head. What he kind of reminded me was a lot of the sort of horrible robot monsters that they, they were getting uh, at the end of G Gundam. Kinda a little, a little, a little bit Devil Gundam-ish. Somebody good might have designed him, but he doesn't really make any damn sense because he's just this big fat thing with multiple tails, an aircraft carrier on his back, and a teeny tiny head. And then he just straight up transforms into an aircraft carrier. Yes, they've summoned the USS tank Flag. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know too. <laughs> I mean, it's like that's that's. 
almost as unbelievable a transformation as Ravage's sudden cassette, Beast Wars Ravage's sudden cassette mode at <laughs> yeah. the end of a gen. The, the transformation that Smudge and Zarek has, it's like they try to make sense out of it, but it really, <laughs> he's just like, his legs are the back of the boat, his shoulders are the front of the boat, the middle of the boat disappears, and, and the flight deck of the aircraft carrier is on his back. Then all the horrifying demon bits just yeah. come out. <laughs> Pop out of nowhere, and he's got itty-bitty arms, too. He's got almost T-Rex arms, just with more fingers. He does have teensy arms and giant legs and two tails for some reason. Three tails. Three tails. Oh, he does have three tails. <laughs> it, it's so and the tails have, like, extra bug legs on them. Yeah. <laughs> And they definitely of, had a lot of fun designing this guy. Even yeah, whoever he designed like him was good, but was just going crazy. I yeah. wonder if they pulled the design out too. from another studio while they weren't looking. Like, Aww, we have this awesome monster for this other series we're doing in the building. Yoink. Kind of, he does kind of feel, well, at least his head is like a leftover design from something else, because it doesn't look Transformers-y at all. It's, it it's just actually a does head. look a lot like one of uh, Violent Jigger's head. heads, yeah. yeah. Weird. But yeah, he and has these three horns, two of which apparently fold up when he transforms, so whenever we see his stock animation, his head comes up and those two horns sort of pop out. And he's got a big third eye on his forehead, which that totally won't be important later. Oh, certainly not. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he's not a character. He just makes a bunch of mon- of super stock sound effect sounding monster roars. Yeah, I don't think they even hired the Japanese version of Frank Welker to make animal noises for this thing. No, those even... are like Frank Welker noises from 1965. <laughs> even in context of the movie itself, I can't tell whether he's supposed to be sentient. I don't think so. He's just I mean, he's, a weapon. At the end of the movie, he's working without direction, but he's like an animal. Yeah. He yeah. Doesn't seem to have direction other than shoot what's in front of you. Yeah. I mean, he so, seems, and and he is well. Again, this is probably just translation stuff uh, because I know that J- uh, Japanese doesn't have quite the. Uh, significant use of gender pronouns, but they do seem to be referring, at least in translation, referring to violent, or uh, now I'm just going to call him Violent Jagger. Uh, but they they seem to re- refer to uh, Mage and Zarek a lot with, you know, non-gendered it sort of pronouns. But I don't know if that was just a- extrapolation by the translation people or not. Because well, for, like, most of his appearance, he's just used as a transport vehicle. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he's steered with a giant pirate wheel, <laughs> which is adorable. Why? Which which just makes me think of that uh, terrible pirate joke. Arr, it's steering me nuts. Ah, uh, it's no, driving Yarr, it's me driving nuts. nuts. Yeah, that <laughs> is uh. so bad. So uh, so yeah, yes, at one point do not actually have those. My favorite part of them was him on the aircraft carrier. And I, I forget if I'm I'm jumping ahead a little bit. We're jumping ahead a lot. Who cares? Oh yeah. But but as they're like they're approaching a you know land, they're in the water and they're approaching land. And they're like you know there's there's land ahead and like I think it's Galvatron. It's like but he, is, that won't stop him. He's all powerful. And yeah. then he just like goes up onto the drives up. It's a land carrier. Up onto the. And also, 
Lyocon White sends Galvatron a <laughs> threatening text message. Uh, no, that's not from Lyocon White. That, yeah, that, that happens. As we find out, yes. Yes. But, but Galvatron thinks that that this, this challenging text message yeah, is and, from Lyocon And, White. like, the... The Cybertrons are panicking because his big thing is here. Oh, no, Majin Zarak, who we have no context for, is here. We're afraid. But, like, somewhere between... The voice acting is trying a little, but the music and and the way it's written, it doesn't convey the level of threat you'd think this giant thing should be. Mm-hmm, not so much. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Weird. And also, again, we we are jumping ahead here, but there's also a bit where uh, Hellscream launches from the uh, <laughs> aircraft carrier, and while well, the rest of the Destrons are basically being the flight crew, and it's like they're being a Top Gun, and I enjoyed that, that because I love Top Gun. Yeah, that's that my was favorite great. part. And <laughs> I loved Hellscream just going afterwards. I always wanted to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was pretty adorable. Oh, it's great, because they're, they're doing everything a normal flight crew would do on an aircraft carrier deck. Like, they, they have the little glow cones, and, and Trypticon, or Megastorm, whatever, is kneeling down and doing something like he's a mechanic. And, and the guy who's launching is the guy who is a robot shark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, he can they fly. A robot it, it made me wish that Skybite was actually on the show. Yeah. It's pretty great. Would have had a haiku, at least. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, they're fighting. Uh, we get a brief cameo appearance from the Insectrons, who are also on this show. Yeah, are, and they're good guys? What? Yeah, they're all good guys. Yeah. Yeah, Despite their leader being the horrifically sculpted uh, Transkeeto. Yeah, that, that's oh, weird. I love Transkeeto's toy, though. And s- I mean, I do, but he looks like the Predator. <laughs> that's true. He's clearly not a good guy. Anyway, Lyo Kynvoy is just beating up everybody, and at one point he makes Trypticon blast off like Team Rocket. Yep, he is blasting off again. <laughs> oh, another bit of, I think it might be the last really good bit of animation in this, is when they actually, the Majin Zarek actually fires his main gun. It's, it's a very nicely animated destructive wave that hits everything and destroys mountains. Yeah, that is cool. Did we get to the part where uh, Lyo Jr. finally escapes because he remembers he can turn into a cat and cats can fit through just about anything? <laughs> yes. <laughs> cats are a liquid. Uh, that's exactly how Halle Berry escapes from prison in uh, that Catwoman movie. <laughs> no. uh, uh, oh, yeah, but th- this is that's kind of like the the part where the music is the worst. Because, like, the giant robot monsters on a rampage and and is Lyo Jr. imprisoned in that or the other the Destron ship? I think he's on the Galvaberg. But, but like, the music they have during his escape is, like, this upbeat, peppy thing that does not fit at all. No. Just weird. Anyway, he gets out. Yeah, he gets out and he, you know, merges with his Magnaboss comrades and they, they get to this uh, ship, the weird alien ship that we also never get an explanation for. Yeah. And he hits a home run in Smash Brothers. Yes. <laughs> exact same sound effect. <laughs> and so he, he uses his uh, his his own power to activate this uh, this teleport thing. Which, again, is another very Japanese robot show trope. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen it at least, like, three times in Getter Robos. <laughs> and, and we see he brings through a mysterious figure. Who could it be? I don't Who know, but it be? it's a chromed golden repaint of somebody. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a convenient limited edition repaint of somebody. Enter that lucky draw, kids. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, after uh, the Cybertrons have seemingly been defeated, uh, Galvatron gets a threatening text message <laughs> yes. uh, from Convoy. Just on his computer, it pops up, and he gets angry. Because, yeah, man, you get angry when somebody's sending you a non-hate. He gets a non-hate. Uh, got doxxed. <laughs> Convoy. I, I like that this really drives home how inappropriate, how increasingly inappropriate the name Convoy has become. <laughs> Yes, convoy the lion, convoy the gorilla. Yeah, it's convoy it's, the mammoth. It's weird because it's taken the thing like Optimus Prime. Prime is a thing that's stuck on other people's names in in the U.S. continuity. Right. In Japan, it's because Optimus Prime was originally named Convoy in Japan, and every other dude who's an Autobot leader, except for Star Saber, is something Convoy or just Convoy. Yeah. Which makes things more confusing. It's like if instead of Optimus Prime, like the Prime part was something that was specific to trucks. Yeah. And then that was given to <laughs> mammoths and lions and everything. Like if, it was, if he was Truckimus Prime, and then in, in Beast Wars you had Truckimus Primal. <laughs> I mean, that's almost literally what it's like. Yeah. Because, wait, yeah. Um, what's the one in... Neo cold is that big convoy? Big convoy. Yeah, that's big. We got a great big convoy. <laughs> yeah. Running through the night. <laughs> oh man, he, he should have transformed into a rubber duck. <laughs> oh, just a mammoth. <laughs> so yeah, we the uh, Cybertrons are buried under rock. Lyle convoy hears a familiar voice telling him to keep fighting, and he recognizes this voice. It's Monkey because Jesus. It's, it is the <laughs> legendary commander, legendary general, something like that. Legendary, it's Optimus Primal. Yeah, I take He's so much Primal. issue with this. Yeah. Optimus Primal yeah. covered in Saran wrap. <laughs> because Optimus Primal is a great heroic character. He's a great leader on a small scale. He is not legendary. Well, <laughs> especially because keep in mind at this point. All they've really gotten is like season one. Yes, that's that's the that's the that's where the problem lies because he's season one design Optimus Primal, and he's not a legend at that point. Like by the time that we eventually get back to Cybertron and everything happens in Beast Machines, then he might be a legend. But by then he's dead. Yeah, and even then he's never quite the kind of legend. I mean, later I'll I'll skip ahead again for a moment, but he like. He and Lyo Convoy do this Matrix-based attack. <laughs> he doesn't have a Matrix. I mean, not yet. Oh, it is. <laughs> it's like he's not... They're, they're using him. And it's even funnier if you consider the way Beast Wars was translated in Japan. Yes. He's a great he's legendary jumped. lover of bananas. <laughs> yes. And, and here he's like this Jesus monkey, as you said, because... But he's, he's just a low-level decent commander and he's okay with all this being revered as if he was a god it's like yeah, he's, he can't see no, he, primal reacting like this it's like how the hell did i get here who are you guys wait you think i'm important what yeah he, optimus primal is the he's the john mcclain of the maximals yeah he's the dad he's he's 
the awesome dad of the Maximals. He's not Jesus. No, or or General Monkey Patton. <laughs> yeah, and, and somehow he arrives here and he's come up with a plan that uses native terrain to his advantage. You just got here. How do you know about this, like, spaceship graveyard in a canyon? What? He just does. And, of course, it, it must he be said here that he, he retains none of his personality. Nope. He's a generic no. leader guy. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if he things. even retains any of his personality from, like, you know, the Japanese translation of Beast Wars. I can't imagine. I mean, he doesn't say anything about bananas, as far as I can tell. No. That's that's important, his bananas. Yeah. So, yeah, they lure him into this canyon where, you know, imagine Zarek will be somewhat trapped. Because they're lucky he can't fly. He just waddles. Yeah. yeah. And once again, we've got more power sharing here because uh, uh, Magnaboss has now got Tasmania Kid's energy somehow coursing through him because yeah. they teamed up. Uh-huh. He's kind of master blastering him here. I don't know how it works. It's like Magnaboss has a wound in his shoulder. I don't know what they're doing. The physics break down because somehow Magnaboss lifts the entire aircraft carrier and throws it. What? Hey, it's just like on um, uh, Carnage in C Minor, where I think Devastator lifts uh, broadside. But at least Devastator's supposed to be like 100 feet tall. Magnaboss is like 20, 30. He's as tall as a lion standing on an elephant. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Like a kind of unfolded elephant, but... (laughs) (laughs) My favorite kind of measurement. This is probably the only cool actual action set piece in the movie, and it's lifted straight from Final Fantasy VI. Yeah. Magnaboss suplexes an aircraft carrier. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And at this point, uh, Galvatron gets thrown out of Majin Zarek, and he conveniently lands on Trypticon, who can fly. What? Yeah. Well, I, I guess he kind of has that vehicle-y mode that you could conceivably say flies. Yeah, the base Maybe. mode, whatever. It, it, whatever. There's like the base mode, and there's the dinosaur mode, and then there's like a third mode that is allegedly a vehicle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are my favorite. But again, it, it's the triptic, or Megastorm being adorable, because he's talking to his brother in this flying vehicle mode, but his head is on the back of it, like, just opening and closing, talking to him. <laughs> it's, like, so toyetic. Yeah, the, the, the Destrons are out of here, but Majin Zarek is still on the rampage, because he is... They're just finding out for the first time that he's alive, even though they all knew who he was originally. Yeah, they were so scared of him, but then he was being piloted. You should have been scared of without it... Whatever. Uh, Maybe this is a thing where just their history lessons are really crummy. Like, how everybody knew who Starscream was, but only one person actually knew that he was, you know, terrible. the traitoriest traitor who ever traitored. Yeah. Yes. So, and, but luckily, uh, they've been doing some science on the uh, Cybertron base, and it turns out that that uh, huge, conspicuous third eye, if you can attack his weak point for massive damage. So this is something that also... To, to go back to Headmasters, because I have some vague knowledge of Headmasters from having get some... The, get the power pack. ...crappy dubbed episodes. Actually introducing the fandom to crappy dubbed episodes, <laughs> thanks to a, a 
<laughs> badly uh, copied VHS tape and some BotCon parties. <laughs> that and that one episode that that everyone picked up on, uh, life can be sacrificed for peace on earth. Uh, had this this plot about how like Highbrow was was trying to figure out what Scorpionok's weak spot was, and I want to know where this trope came from that a weak spot is something that you can find by sitting at a computer for long enough. I. The origin, who knows? It, it's a thing that keeps coming up over and over. Not just in Transformers, like it happens in, like, Dragon Ball movies and, and... Yeah, I mean, I assume, I don't know if this is some sort of, you know, got some sort of kaiju origins or, or what it is, but, yeah, you just, you use a big computer to calculate the weak spot. How do you calculate a weak spot? I mean, I, maybe if, I don't know. Star Wars was never that big over there because I was going to say, I mean, the thing with the Death Star's oh. spot actually involved like pouring over blueprints and stuff. But you don't have blueprints for this dude who just showed up. But that's the thing <laughs> that they they kind of skip a spot in anime. It's like somehow you can just take a picture and then extrapolate internal structures from nothing. Yeah. And that just that's that's dumb. <laughs> It's yeah, dumb. that's science. You just don't understand science. I guess. That's like Night Vale science. Yeah, it's, it's like, done by writing science on a whiteboard with some hearts around it. <laughs> it, it does make, It is a big trope in Japan that, that, oh, there's the weak spot we have to find out. And somehow we find out we don't know how. In, in America, it'd be just like, hey, look at that eyeball. Shoot it. Maybe it'll work. Yeah. Maybe that eyeball has some significance. You don't have to sit in front of a computer. It's different babble to explain the same thing. Just shoot the thing. There is, a, there is a similar thing on a Generation 1 episode with uh, Bruticus, but in that case, I think it's a deliberate fail-safe that they put into him so they could stop. Yeah, where they have a spot oh, yeah. on his back. and There are like the thing three is, spots on his back. And the thing with that is that that's known by the person who put him together being Starscream yes. in that case. And that's something that they specifically have to have Starscream tell them. Yeah, this is just missing that key component of why do you know this? <laughs> how how does looking at a computer help you figure that out? Anyway, let, let, it's time for hot-blooded robot action, and it is time for burning justice. Yes, <laughs> convoy and convoy just glow for no reason. Well, they, they synchronize the matrices. They, the there reason is. is they need another color redeco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they need yeah. a special edition redeco that they can spell, sell through a special promotion. To tie in with this movie. Oh, yeah. So they synchronize yeah. their matrices, even though Optimus Primal does not have a matrix, and I find the notion of him having one offensive. <laughs> I agree. That, that should never happen. No, he doesn't need space magic to make him awesome, because he's already awesome. Yeah. yeah. But they made him more awesome. He has three different colors in this. He has his standard. He has the golden when he shows up, and he turns red when he... Yeah. He and Lyo Convoy transform, and Lyo's go glowing gold, and he's normally white, and Primal is, is red, and, and the monkey riding a lion towards the... That's thing. kind of cool, I have to admit. That is kind <laughs> of cool, and, and like, they, they give each other different special names, and it's like, erupting, burning convoy or something. I mean, the yeah. way you fix things, the way you defeat things in 90s anime is glowing and crashing into things. Yep. Which... I love G Gundam, so I don't have a problem with that. It's just I like a bit more put into everything else around the, hey, it's glowing, so it's more powerful part. 
Yes, it's glowing. It's going to crash into things, and then it wins. Yeah, and that's what they do. They go right through his head, through this third eye. Through his head, and then out through the rest of him, just flying and glowing and... How you're a lion and a monkey? I mean, okay, it has jets, but what? Because I mean, I burning felt like, justice, hot blooded something felt, or other. If it had been ten years later, I would have felt like this really wanted to be the end of the original Transformers the movie. Or that also involved crashing through a dude's eyes. It did. Uh, exactly. Nobody was glowing until they got in his tummy and that's a whole different thing. Maybe they just don't understand what a matrix is in Japan. Maybe they they just think a matrix is a spark chamber. Who knows? Well, stay tuned for next episode. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Stay tuned for next episode. It'll be brother versus brother. Tears and blood will be shed. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, they defeat the thingy, and then then Primal has to go home, but it, it doesn't seem like he wants to leave, which is crazy. I like when Primal's walking off, and he's walking off in robot mode, and you get the kind of, like, sexy robot butt shot that we've come to expect <laughs> oh, yeah. from Alex Mill. <laughs> I forgot about so that's that. That's a very more than meets the eye sort of butt shot we get of Optimus yeah, Primal's robot mode, and I'm pretty impressed. It, it is very normal framing you would get in, in a fan service show on some anime lady's ass. I may have to screen cap that and add that to the post. So that <laughs> Make it a gif. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that that may be required. But yeah, and he's going away, and he says he's going to go back to Energoa, planet yeah. Energoa. Is it, is it like, okay, in Japan, I guess they didn't figure out it was supposed to be Earth all along. They're going to be in <laughs> no a surprise after this movie comes out. Oh my god, I was wrong. It was Earth all along. <laughs> they finally made a monkey out of me. <laughs> but anyway, so he doesn't actually want to go... Apparently, but they have to send him back because, oh, it turns out that giant trans time portal thingy actually is going to blow up the planet. And possibly the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Why the universe? Why? Why is not blowing up the planet you're standing on just enough stakes? Yeah, they need. Yeah, they don't really care about that planet that much. I mean, it's got that <laughs> weird Amalgo stuff, but they can detect it out in space if they blew out the planet. It's like, they uh, needed anyway. more delicious stakes. Listen. The, this transport device is frightening. This transport device will destroy space. <laughs> so, any, no. so Primal's uh, well-sculpted butt is like, my planet needs me, goodbye. Yes. Actually, if it was only the planet, they still have a functional spaceship. They could just take it to another planet. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I guess. It has and they need to get it out of the plot as quickly as possible because it would make things way too easy for the second half of the season. Yes, yes, of course but, it's got to be about to explode. But but the thing is, they don't actually destroy the entire spaceship. They just destroy the three bits of it that are up in the sky that make the portal. So the rest of it's still there. Yeah, well, that's a plot. They destroyed hole. the portal. <laughs> that portal is a plot hole. A, a literal plot hole. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it's and and that is that's the movie, so to speak. Yeah, 45 or so minutes of... Eh. That's like a two-part episode. Yeah. Yeah. A We're not getting that part back. Oh. I, I've seen worse anime movies, so quote-unquote movies that are just original video animations somebody got stuck in a theater, but it's forgettable, except for the fact that Primal shows up. 
Yeah. Yeah. And is and is totally out, out of character. Yeah. Except he, I like. He's not that out of his, character. He doesn't have a character. No, I mean I like he, this team up would that, mean a lot. I like to uh, believe that uh, that butt is entirely in character. Okay. Oh yes. I, I mean, this team up would mean a lot more if Lyle Convoy had a personality. Yeah, if the, if there at least was a difference between them, but the, this version of Primal is so generic, and Lyo Convoy isn't really any different. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, if you had, like, an Optimus Primal Generation 1 Optimus Prime team-up, that would mean something, because those are the two distinct characters. Yeah. Yeah, but, but this is more like Marvel Comics Optimus Prime and Cartoon Optimus Prime. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah. That might be being too generous. This is more like a coloring book Optimus Prime teaming up with... <laughs> The uh, Sumbo Storybooks Optimus Prime. Oh, the Happy Smiling Prime? Oh, like he has yes. like that weird smile. Actually, that would, that would even be a better team-up just for that weird face. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if they teamed up to fight uh, Megatron driving that car. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> oh, that's the Megatron they should have summoned? <laughs> that would have been a way more impressive weapon of destruction. Megatron in a car. Well, yeah, except they're on, like, a weird prehistoric planet. He's going to run out of gas, and then they're just going to have to push that thing. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous hearse. Uh, so, yeah, that is that is Beast Wars 2, the movie, ensuring that uh, no matter what happens, Transformers, the movie, will not be the worst animated Transformers movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the worst thing in theory. Is did uh, they ever actually have another Japanese movie in there? I, I don't believe they ever have. Oh, this I, I think the closest watch. we've had is the um, Predacons Rising, or yeah, Predacons Rising, the other thing that ended uh, Prime. Uh, oh, yeah. Which was yeah, it was it's better than this. Well, it's way better than this. I mean, it doesn't yeah, make a lot of sense. That's not a high bar to clear. No, no. <laughs> it's enjoyable. Whereas yeah. this. Is not enjoyable, but boy, can you imagine how relieved those people watching this must have been when they hit uh, Bad Spark? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Is this uh, package with Bad Spark in a clip show or something? I think yeah, like a previously on Beast Wars kind of Maybe thing. Maybe one of the and, clip yeah. shows remixed to be about bananas. Well, actually, actually, um, Bad Spark because it was theatrically released was not included on the TV airings of uh, Beast Wars season two. And thus, it was replaced with a clip show entitled, Where is the Banana? Oh, yeah. God damn it, Japan. To be followed up later by another clip show that was called, I Found My Banana or something? This is why, this is why I'm so amazed that we're getting a masterpiece Optimus Primal. <laughs> astonished yeah. that anyone in Japan would remember Beast Wars fondly enough to want anything new to do with it. Well, because well, the thing is, the masterpiece is aimed at more of the hardcore fans in Japan, anyway. who are familiar with the American. Yeah, the, the hardcore yeah. fans in Japan are importing more than meets the eye comics right now. So, yeah, and I suppose more <laughs> your your average Japanese person, especially your average Japanese. Otaku is more likely to know enough English to just watch those than your average American person. Can just identify, hey, Opie, he said tits. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, apparently, yeah, so. there is 
in addition to Where's the Banana, there is another clip show entitled Remix, I Lost the Banana. Oh, that was it. <laughs> because that replaced Cutting Edge, which was released theatrically in Japan. Oh. Uh-huh. Oh. And there is also Where's the Banana R, which uh, they aired at the end of uh, Beast Machines. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh! Uh, there's uh, there's some. I want uh, to track that down really bad there's now. Flash. Like how how Beast Machines with comedy banana? I what clip show? I what? I mean, they do actually eat, and they're not bananas, but they're like fruit of some sort. Yeah. Gray apples. Yeah. From the great gray apple. Uh this yeah you. This is one of those things, it's like, every once in a while in anime I encounter something, it's like, I've heard of, but I never actually saw, and then I don't see until decades later, and it's like, oh, that's disappointing. (laughs) That's this. Yeah. It's like if I'd waited years to see Samurai Showdown, the OVA, which is bad, like most video game tie-ins. It's not just movies that, that... take off from video games that are bad anime most of them except for the fatal fury ones are bad too and this is about the same level it's confusing characters out of character and just motivation being morally inconsistent and their motivations just changing seemingly for no reason yeah i mean it happens enough i have to assume that there's some sort of cultural thing that I'm missing, like, maybe those things are consistent from a certain viewpoint, or maybe they just don't care that much about their writing. I think it might be that Transformers isn't as big in Japan as it is in the U.S., too, and it skews younger. Yeah. 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 Well, that's so this their is like, marketing it younger. I mean, certainly look at, say, Cheetor versus uh, Leo, Jr. You know, Leo Jr. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Cheetor seems like he's supposed to be, like, 14, 15, and Lyo Jr.'s clearly supposed to be, like, 10. Or less. Yeah. Or, like, 6. Until he throws his Kylo Ren fit, and then <laughs> for, a, for a few hours. So, yeah, I think that about uh, does it for Lyo Convoy in imminent danger, and I'm in imminent danger of falling asleep. Yeah, it was yeah. bad. Yeah. I, I was glad I had coffee with me watching that, because I needed it. Let's not even bother trying to find B-Stores Neo. We'll, we'll think of something next time we have a bonus episode. Yeah, I know. I At some point I saw some, like... I think I've mentioned... I think I mentioned during our B-Stores second uh, first episode that, you know, where I used to live, there were stores that would actually rent out you know, bootleg copies of fan <laughs> subs and stuff. And I know they had Neo, so I know Neo's floating around out there in the U.S. somewhere. I'm just, I guess no one's put it up on YouTube. Yeah, somebody's subbed it. I could find, like, episode two, but I couldn't find episode one. Well, we'll, we'll keep that in mind for, uh, for between Beast Wars and Beast Machines. Yes. So until next time, you can uh, find us all over the internet. We are on Twitter at at StasisPod. We're on Tumblr at StasisPod.tumblr.com. And we're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash StasisPod.
And our RSS feed is hosted on iaconunderground.net, where we have just recently launched, uh, three of the four of us here have just recently launched a new weekly news podcast called Iacon Underground Radio. Yes, we're all now part of a a larger network of podcasts, which I think means that I'm going to have to start plugging Squarespace. Oh. Yeah, that's, I'll, I'll have to. Also, uh, Audible. Like, like, a, like a handsomer Paul Shear. I, I listen to a lot of like writing podcasts, and they all plug just Audible.com just constantly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Audible.com is the first step before you move on to the other thing. Squarespace. Magic kits and <laughs> shaving kits. Shaving kits, uh, daily fantasy Alpha Brain yeah. Energy Drink. Uh, well, I, they can't do the fantasy stuff anymore, because at least in New York, haha. <laughs> well, that means that you can't read them, but I think the rest of us can read those ads. Well, you just have to plug your ears uh, whilst we're doing so. And well, say well, la la la. A lot of the podcasts are from New York, so. Okay. And uh, we're also open to uh, open ads for open source dildos. Yes. I, I'm all about those. Actual ad that, that aired on the, uh, the Flophouse. <laughs> Was hilarious. That sounds delightful. It, they, the other hosts barely let him finish. <laughs> but anyway, if you would like to write into us with, I don't know, ads you'd like us to read, or maybe you know where to find uh, Beast Wars Neo episodes. Maybe they're in like a like a warehouse at the end of Raiders. And I suspect I, that much like the things in those boxes, if we tried to watch it, our faces would melt off. Yeah, that that would be my concern. But if you want to write it into us about any of those things, write into the old Maxim mailbag at stasispodcast at gmail.com, and we'll read your letter on the air. So until next time, when uh, we we see if, uh, you know, maybe the universe is slightly better, in slightly better shape than we left it, and we can reassume our corporeal forms, at least, you know, here's hoping. Yeah, I mean, there can't be anyone there who'd actually be able to fix anything, right? Nah, I mean, you know, the time itself is uh, coming apart. Wibbly wobbly. Kind of whiny. <laughs> so until then, I'm Rob, and yes, I lost the banana. I'm Jen, I found the banana. I'm Alex, what's a banana? And I'm David, yes, we have no bananas. We have no bananas. Wait a minute, that's not a banana. <laughs> Beast Wars 2 episode. That was, uh, that was not great. <laughs> no. Oh. I, I was just sitting in the coffee shop watching it with this look on my face like, uh, uh. <sighs> It was like the way I look when I'm sitting there with a particularly bad editing job. <laughs> yeah. I wound up so bored that I got distracted despite it being subtitled. Yeah, yeah and that was that was the unfortunate part. If it was dubbed, I could just kind of listen to it, but no, yeah. I had to pay full attention.
And, and yet you don't have to pay full attention. Well, I, I don't think this will be a very long episode, even though... Well, it's no, because there was uh, there was like ten minutes of plot in... Uh, yeah, 40... 45 something. endless minutes. Wait, does it actually say on the wiki how long it is? Probably not. It actually doesn't, surprisingly. Oh, I think they would. Oh. But it was very long. They had to introduce so many candidates for special edition limited recolors. 